Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. In the midst of of, of pain and suffering and trials, like I said, there's a sense in which we ask that question, why? And, And why we want to know why is because it's in you and me to want to make sense out of things, right? And so knowing why, it won't necessarily make the pain go away, but we feel like if we can begin to connect the little dots in our lives and in our world so stuff makes sense, then, then maybe, just maybe, the pain, the lost suffering, it won't be quite as bad. And so last week, we actually talked about the intellectual reasonings behind suffering. And if you missed that message, I would encourage you to go online, check it out at hillcountry.life. Because in the book of Romans, the Apostle Paul gives us sort of an intellectual explanation, the reasons behind suffering, the whys behind our suffering. But as good as that is, the intellectual explanation, it doesn't make the emotional pain go away. I'll just tell you this. The the answer is not emotionally satisfying. You won't be thinking, well, Brian, after I heard that sermon, man, I just feel so much better about the fact that I'm diagnosed with cancer or or I lost a child or I haven't had a job in six months. It's not I feel better. Why? Well, because so much of the struggle we have with pain and suffering and hardship, it's not intellectual, it's emotional. And so even if we can understand a purpose, a why behind the pain, it still hurts. And that just doesn't go away. And I got to tell you, so much of the pain, the loss, the tragedy that we experience in this world, it's it's not going to go away until we get to the other side. It won't be healed this side of eternity. Now, knowing that God has a plan, knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that one day God will end all pain and suffering, that brings us comfort. Like, that's what we look forward to. But in the meantime... How do we cope? How do we process? How do we keep moving forward? Well, this morning, I want us to hear from a woman here in our church who's wrestled with these questions. And in fact, she's still in the process of figuring out God's plan for her life and her future. Her name is Jackie Holcomb. And in just a second here, I'm going to ask Jackie to come up. And she's going to share a few words of truth, of wisdom, of comfort, of hope from her journey with God over the past year and a half. So how about a big round of applause for Jackie? Come on up here, Jackie. First of all, thank you. Thank you for being willing to share your story with, with all of us. And I was telling Jackie over at Sun City, I realized this yesterday, we've known each other for 25 years. That's a quarter century. And just to clarify for you guys, that means I met Jackie when she was four, all right? So hey, I, I know your background. I know your story, but a lot of people here don't. So to share a little bit about your life story, your background leading up to that day a year and a half ago. Yeah, you bet. Well, um, Joel and I had just celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary, so we were uh, newly um, empty nesters. Our oldest son, Mitch, who you saw in the video up there, had graduated from college, and our youngest, Peyton, was a senior in college, so we were really looking forward to enjoying that life. You know, we'd been believers uh, for over 30 years, and we... Um, had a passion for mission work. Although we both are busy business professionals, our real heart was in mission. And so uh, not only did we lead the Mexico mission program here for 17 years of taking people back and forth to Mexico and serving the people there, 
but also uh, had a heart to start HRS True Hope, which is a Hill Country Bible Church, local grown, 501c3, with the Shiramazoos and the Raymonds, and uh, we meet the financial needs of those folks in India, in Mexico, and in Africa of people in need. And so this was where our heart was a mission. So like we were serving the Lord in a lot of different ways and we were really excited about what was next and what the Lord had called for us in this next season of life when we felt like we had the availability to serve the Lord. And then came May 28th, 2022, a little over a year and a half ago or something like that. And um, if you don't mind, I know it's not easy, but rehash a little bit of that day, that afternoon, your reaction. Sure. You know, it was a Saturday. It was the Saturday of Memorial Day weekend, and we were doing housework. We, uh, I was mowing the lawn, and Joel was working on the dryer, and he came out, and he said, um, hey, where do you want the dryer? I'm like, right next to the washing machine. Like, our, our laundry room is not that big, right? So you just put it. And then I was like, oh, man, that sounded probably a little bit snarky. So let me, oh, I turned off the lawnmower, I went in the house, and I'm like, that's a great place, honey, to put the, the, I mean, that's a perfect place. I can't imagine anything better. Great job. We're, that, you're doing fantastic. So then I went back out, and, and then he came back out, and he had, someone had just called, and he said, Bill and Kathy called, and they wanted to, us to come over for dinner. So if we bring a salad, then, then we'll, we'll have dinner. I said, spectacular. I will finish mowing the backyard, and I'll come in and get ready, and, and we'll go to a friend's house for dinner. And I knew it was then 17 minutes later, I finished the backyard, and then I walked into the house, and it's kind of quiet. My heart kind of started to pound, but then I, I walked over, and then I walked over to the laundry room, and right there I saw, I saw him laying down between the wall and the, 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 the dryer. And I, I knew it was bad. I could see his face was kind of a little bit gray and something wasn't right. So I ran over. My phone was right on the t- counter. So I called 911. I put it on speakerphone and I, I pulled his legs out from under. I could feel a little bit of that electricity. And I just started CPR and I'm, I'm kind of yelling to the guy on the phone. I'm like, and he's like, is the scene safe? And I'm like, I don't think so. One and two. And, and I kept doing, attempting CPR and I couldn't get, I couldn't get the breath into his lungs because his, it was tight and his, it was uh, really clenched and so I just kept trying kept doing CPR and really quickly the paramedics were there and and they came in and they kind of ushered me outside and that's when I started walking you know I started walking around and just finding I was just praying for the Lord to put air in his lungs and blood in his veins or whatever it was I would take it just let's let's do this and I called the kids one was in Houston and Peyton was in College Station and I said um there's been an accident you know you need to come home and something's happened and so they're, they're heading on their way, and then um, and Bill had called, and something, something was wrong. No, he comes over, and uh, I'm realizing there's no sirens. There's no frantic rush to get to the hospital. And um, they had brought someone from victim services when they first came up, and I was like, I just need some Bible verses to get in my head. I, I, need, to get, I need to get some truth in. And he's like, I don't have any Bible verses, but I could come back and bring you some. And over there. Well, they called, Brian called, then called Brian. And he showed up right away and um, hit me. And I'm telling you, at that moment, when your world had fallen apart and you're realizing everything has gone awry, what I did not need was my neighbors there saying, we're going to help you through this, we're going to take care. What I needed 
was a man of God to show up in front of me and tell me the truth that the God of the universe was there and he was going to support me. He knew about this and he knew what I needed right now and he was had me in the palm of his hand and he was going to take care of me and I needed truth and that's what Brian came and he provided that. Dylan came, he spoke with me as we walked around the pool and prayed in Spanish, a beautiful language of love of the Lord to continue to keep my mind in the right direction. As the paramedics walked out the back door, and they said, I'm, I'm sorry, Ms. Holcomb, there's nothing more we can do. Your husband's deceased. And, you know, I was carrying his wallet because I thought we were going to the hospital. So I was like, and I handed him like his driver's license and I said, uh, uh, he wants to donate his organs. Can you just make sure that happens? And from that point then, I felt like numb. I didn't know, continued to walk around. I called the kids and I said, um, I love you and God loves you your daddy didn't make it. Come on home. And there was a sweet time when they were on their way where they were able to talk to one another and lift up one another and encourage as they were coming home. And Peyton was the first one to, to come home and, and uh, we hugged and, and cried and the detective units and everything were in the house and they were hanging up and, and Joel was there on a gurney and they said we could say goodbye. So Brian came with us and walked in with us to pray for us to lift us up, to say goodbye. And that was the last time I saw him. <clears throat> so then, then the new journey begins. Yeah. So explain maybe the first few days, few weeks after Joel's passing. I'll tell you, this church body carried me through those first couple weeks without a doubt. Did the things I could never do, made sure that I was taken care of. The biggest concern I had, I was suddenly very fearful of grief. Like I thought it was this kind of a monster that could take over your head and that could do, make you do things you didn't want to do. And so I begged my friends, please do not let me become bitter with the Lord because I knew this was the foundation I was going to need and I was really afraid I was going to get angry and bitter with him as I went along. And they, they didn't and they came and they prayed with me. And I have a group of ladies here that I have prayed with for 20 years. And so Ginger and Beatrice and Kathleen and Kathleen and KDUH, they came to my house and prayed over the spiritual darkness of my home and Melissa. And they came and said that the, that the spiritual warfare would not be there in my home. And my home would be a place of life and joy and future that I needed to have. And so your neighbors are not going to do that, but your church family they're going to do that for you. They're going to be there in, the, in a way that nobody else can. They also brought meals and mowed the yard and cut, I don't know, endless part of wood and, stacked and, and carried me through this time when I felt really numb but didn't allow me to be bitter with the Lord while I was trying to heal. So speaking of healing, you know, they talk about the process of grief and the stages you go through. Explain a little bit about what that looked like for you. Sure, sure. Like I said, I was uh, scared of grief because I didn't really understand it. And I love it when sometimes science catches up with the Bible because the Lord tells you that, that he can bring your grief into joy, but you know how that happens. And I, what I realized is that those, those ages, as I was going through maybe some anger, denial, or depression, that grief is one part of the brain that fires, they see in the MRI, but depression is on the, another part that fires independently. So while you can have them at the same time, you don't necessarily have to. I had a great hope then, like, okay, this is what the Lord is talking about, that I can go through this grief process without necessarily going into someplace that I didn't want to happen. So I actively then pursued, what do I need to do to get healthy through this grief? 
I, I sought out grief share, so I went through 12 weeks of the Christian counseling, to, went through all the homework and all the lessons and learned and, about grief and what I was going to go through. I'm raw and real before the Lord here on worship. I'm crying every Sunday uh, before the Lord. Uh, my grief. I got super uh, concerned about my health, making sure, okay, I, I'm, I'm, if I don't have my health, I'm not going to be able to get well. Chris Putney came and said, okay, if you're not you know, sleeping, if two hours that you're tossing and turning, you need to call somebody and get help. So I had really good support around to say that this grief process was not going to consume me. And then the one key takeaway that I learned was the Lord tells us to take captive every thought of our mind. Right? And I realized that my emotions, like this broken heart that I was lugging around, was really where all of my sadness was coming from. And what if I could just really think of what the Lord is true, because your emotions will tell you, oh, you're alone. It's not where you want to be. You're never going to have a 50th wedding anniversary. This is awful. This is sad. And society tells you this is a place that you're sad. But you realize if you start going down that hill, you've got to climb your way back up. So what I've learned is really the truth of the Lord. He tells us he's going to turn that grief into joy. He tells us he has a plan for me. He has a plan to prosper me. And I just keep redirecting my thoughts over to the Lord, dragging this heart along with me until these emotions are going to catch up with it. And that has been a key. I'm really pretty successful at that with the Lord until about 8 or 9 o'clock at night when I'm just tired. And I just go to bed. And I start up the next day. That's some really, really good advice right there as far as processing through that. So talk a little bit about your journey with God, your relationship with God maybe, and how that's changed over the past year and a half. I sure can. Well, I will tell you, unfortunately, but a real blessing is I have become desperate for the Lord, like desperate to hear from the Lord, desperate to seek him and what he's calling for this next stage in my life. And so um, I remember I was doing everything, journaling, writing, praying, all the things you were supposed to do in my head. I still had all of these thoughts and emotions of what I was going to do and how the next steps and how everything wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. And um, I remember hearing a podcast uh, saying that in order to get solitude, it takes about four hours at least before you can have solitude, before you can get out of that own circle of the thoughts of your head. And they had this program called the 12-hour walk. It's not a Christian program. It's not even an exercise program. It's just really solitude. I'm like, that's what I need. I was so desperate. I'd never walked 12 hours in one day before in my life, but I said, this is what I'm going to do. I headed out my front door and uh, walked. I walked 17 miles in one direction, turned around, walked 17 miles back in a desperate attempt to be alone and solitude, alone with the Lord in my head and in my heart that I would actually hear from him. And so I began walking down 11 Oakcrest, down across uh, over I-35, and then down Main Street, down to like uh, A.W. Grimes. I got to about 1460, four and a half hours or five hours out, and my thoughts were all going, and I was arguing with the Lord and frustrated, and, and then uh, it was like when you jump in a swimming pool. You know, there's kids all around, and you jump underneath it. It's quiet. It's exactly what happened. All of a sudden... No thoughts coming in. I'm not trying to keep the push the thoughts out. And it was blissful. And that was the first time I heard from the Lord since the accident. And what he said was, Jackie, nothing has changed. It was you and I before the accident. It is you and I now. And Joel was not here on this earth one minute longer than he had to be. 
And then, of course, I immediately thought, was that just something I thought? Wait, wait. And it's true, right? I thought, no, Lord, are you kidding me? Everything in my life has changed. I don't even know how to prime the pool pumps. Now i got to do that, and I can't figure this out. I mean, my whole life is different. And, but it is true. When you start and you, and you ask for confirmation about what he says to you, and you, you see it, and you, you talk to friends with wisdom who are and they're praying for you, and they're confirming the fact that what he is talking to you is absolutely true. It, it is he and I now. It was he and I all along, and he gave me this, this precious gift. I continue to do that 12-hour walk every month uh, just in a desperate attempt to hear, the, to hear from the Lord. And he was so gracious with my soul, and he was so gracious in, in giving the, the words of hope that he would give to me. In fact, at one point, I can't call him up, but you never know when he's going to talk to you. When you're open and you're in silence before him and you're insulted and you're really seeking what he has to say. And one time he said, uh, Jackie, I'm preparing a life too for you that is uh, worthy of him living in it. And that I'm in life one, I'm kind of on a bridge where I've got to decide what to take from life one to life two. And I consider myself like this Dr. Seuss character with boxes up to the ceiling trying to figure out what I want to take it all from life one because I wanted to build my life right on top of what I had. And the Lord said, he's preparing something else. I don't know what that is, but that's what he's doing. And the last time that I, I walked with the Lord was May 23rd of 2023, the last time I walked out my door for the 12-hour walk. That would have been our 31st wedding anniversary. It was a tough day for me. It was a Tuesday. And I, I walked, I was, I was crying. I was listening to the song we danced to at, the, our, at our wedding. And um, I was just really... Uh, a mess and crying, Lord didn't say anything. I walked the whole 17 miles one direction, didn't say anything, turned around, came back. I'm like, Lord, I need you to show up on this day. I need you, I need some words of hope. I need, and at the very end, almost three quarters into the walk, silence, heard him speak, and he said, Jackie, the only thing you can't take into life too is Joel. And you can't be jealous of me that he's here. And I was like, this is my wedding anniversary. Are you kidding, Lord? Like, this is the one thing I want. And then I realized what he was telling me is, you know, when you're jealous of something, it's like, if I just had this, this car, this purse, this whatever that you're jealous of, if I just had this, I would be happy. My life would be full if I just had this. And that's the way I was living. And that's the way I was grieving. If I just had him back, it would be okay. It would be happy. But I can't live that way. The Lord has said, I'm, he's got him under control. And he's with him. And I can't be jealous of that and live it. So he was honest with my soul in a, in a difficult way that I, things I didn't want to hear, but that I needed to so that I can move on to where he's really called me to do next. That's great. You know, when I think about be still and know that I'm God, I think of sitting in a corner somewhere, but you're out walking and you can still be still and hear from God. So I'm sure you could share all kinds of lessons, things that you've learned through this trial, but maybe, maybe a few highlights of things that God has taught you. Yeah, I have... Um, learned a lot and I'm still in it. So I don't think, I don't want you to think that I have this all figured out or anything, but I'm just like, when I have been in this process with the Lord. And one of the things that I, I really know is like, live a life without regret. Like you are here every week teaching us, you know, we are saved by grace. We know that there's absolutely no works, no actions we can do to possibly do anything towards our salvation. So we know that 100% for sure. But you know what, family? When like we're saved, then the Lord has things that are planned for us. He says in Ephesians 2.10 that there are works he has planned for us in advance to do that he's called us to do. And we actually show the rest of the world our faith by the actions that we have. So he's actually got actions for us to do. 
And so really important to make sure that we have, that we're doing those things. You know, Joel and I were really busy people. Uh, we were working full-time jobs. We had kids in, in high level and 4-H and in sports, D1 athletes. You know, your parents know how busy that is. And yet, missions was such an important part of our life to share. My phone has thousands of pictures of people with tamale baskets. That If you were to ask, look at my life based on that, you would know that this is really where we were called. And you know what? We have two adopted sons in Mexico and one adopted son in Kenya, in Kenya, Africa, Nairobi, Kenya. And of our two, Cash and Huero in Mexico, that we've taken care of for, I don't know, 20 years, uh, our, he, Huero had a baby this year and named him Joel. And you know what? Our son in Kenya was pregnant at the time of the accident who couldn't even speak at the funeral they had in Africa for Joel and named his son Joel. Like that's a testimony to what Lord has called you to do and that he will give a blessing to those things he had called. So I think number one is really um, live a life without regret and seek those things the Lord has called you to do. Number two, I would say is have a strong foundation in the Lord. Like I have no idea who I am. Joel and I were together since I was 17 years old. Like we, he's the other half of me and I'm trying to learn it's gone and I'm trying to figure out who the heck I am. But I know who the Lord is. I know the foundation on which I stand and I know the foundation on which we're really, and I'm here in church listening and learning on how God is working on that foundation, what he's got and he's built and that that strong foundation in the Lord is what helps me propel into those things that he has really called me to do. You know, I'm like setting these kind of aggressive short-term goals to find out, now that I'm alone and you've called me to do things, can I actually do it? It is the strength in him, in me, that he pulls in me. It's the strength of the Lord that allows me to do something. But I need to have confidence that I actually am going to follow up on that. I, I walk, section hiked the Appalachian Trail in July. Like I'd never been camping a day before in my life I take my backpack with my tent, my food, my cooking gear, all of this, and then, and I hike 79 miles through the Blue Ridge Mountains, through the bears and the boars and the snakes and the cliffs, just to help, to like, Lord, if you've got something for me, I'm going to have the strength and fortitude to follow you wherever you've called. So I'm setting these sort of aggressive for him because I have a foundation in the Lord, and that's where I'm going to build into what he's really called me to do next. And lastly, I'll say, just know that God is sovereign. Like, he has this eternal perspective. And we, you, know, you were just talking about this last week in church when he said, you said, God is, well, he knows what, it, what was, and he knows what is in the meantime, and then and he knows what he is. Like, he's got this whole picture of eternity. And I'm looking at this one little part and saying, I want it to be this way and trying to uh, negotiate with the Lord. But the Lord has this big eternal perspective. And so my thought was like, well, maybe, you know, Joel and I are going to have this nice uh, life. We're going to uh, grow old together, and we are going to celebrate this new found freedom that we have uh, no post kids and something awful may have been in the works and Lord took him out of this world remember he told me Joel was not on this earth one minute longer than he had to be I don't really know if that meant because this is a world of full of seeing a fallen world or if something bad was going to happen that he took him right at the moment to prevent from something much worse than what this already is so having that knowledge that God is sovereign he's got this internal perspective has helped me to say like you know what God has control of all of this, and he is where the only thing I have control over are my actions and my reactions. 
actions are like those things we're called to do. Go and build disciples of all the nations, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching all that I have commanded. Are we doing that? Those are my actions that he's asked me to do. And I have control over my reactions, which are how I treat people, how I treat those people that he dearly loves. And that's what we have control of. Love the love your neighbor as yourself. And so how am I loving other people? And what I have control over is that God has control over the rest. That's, that's some great, great truth. So what advice would you have kind of as we wrap this up? What advice would you have for people right now? And I'm sure there are many who are going through tragedy. They're going through suffering. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good question because, like I said, I've learned, uh, I learned a lot, and I'm still going through it. So I'm open for any wisdom anybody else has in here. You can meet me afterwards and, and share any wisdom you have too. But I think one thing I want to say is, like, make sure you're honest with God and honest with yourself because uh, he can handle the honesty that you have, and he knows where your heart is, and he knows where he wants you to get to. You know, I have so many now new widow friends who have, like, turned away from the church and gone on a different direction because this is the hardest place to be when you are suffering. It's the hardest place when you're trying to figure things out because this is the place we're learning about eternity and what really matters, and you're facing head-on the things about our life that really matters, and you're pouring into us what exactly that we're supposed to be doing, and we're looking at ourselves and saying, really, are we following through with that or not? But God knows if you can be really honest and be here at a point when he's really called you to be here and to learn what he's actually called you to do. And the second thing I'm going to say is stay in the word. Like the word is powerful. You know, all last year, he had me preaching in Mexico on this topic of Habakkuk. Like I didn't even know how to spell Habakkuk. There's like how many K's? Right? Lots of, Lots of case. Lots of case. And, right? and so there's this like little short book, uh, four chapters in the Bible. It's about a prophet, Habakkuk, and he, uh, the whole story is about his conversations with the Lord. He's a prophet. You would think his story would be about how he talked to the people of Israel, but it didn't. He's talking to the Lord, and the Lord, he's like, Lord, things are bad here for your people. And the Lord says, I'm aware of that, and guess what? Things are going to get worse. And how does Habakkuk deal with that when he knows from the Lord is in control, but that things are going to get a whole lot worse for a whole lot longer time? And how do you find patience and peace with that? And how do you ultimately turn that into rejoicing? So I had to really get into the word and working in another foreign language, you have to know exactly what those words are so that you can convey that. So uh, staying in the word was super powerful and, and made a difference. I think the other thing is um, knowing that God will change and has the power and the right to change everything at any minute. And like we want our lives to go in just one direction that we've called them to be. We want God, we're praying the Lord blesses our lives in that direction, but actually the Lord may change that totally. Like he's been doing the changing business for thousands of years, right? He changed the disciples' life all in one minute. He's like, I'm here with you. You've been following me for these three years. And now I, I'm leaving you, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And like, who the Holy Spirit is? Like, they had no idea. Like, that was a complete new concept for them, that they would have the power of the Lord within them. And so he, he's changing it, and we're so resistant. We kind of get stuck in our Christian reality of this is the way that we should, we should go. But I'm looking like, oh, wait a minute. God has the ability to change things in a moment notice, and I need to embrace into that change instead of being so resistant to it. And I'm looking, that's what I'm right now wrestling with in my own. There's changes I need to make that I'm, I've had in a long-standing Christian faith even, like where the role of women in the church, and these are tough issues, or, or how we're treating the LBGTQ community. 
Like, is, are we loving them? Are we sharing Jesus a lot, our Jesus and who we are? I'm not in the way I should be. And so I've got some things that are flawed that I'm working with that God can change. And I gotta realize that change is gonna happen. And I'm either gonna be with that at change or I'm gonna be resistant to it, maybe not being where God has called me to be. Other thing I would tell you is like, Oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit. Are we tapping into that power of the Holy Spirit? Because God has given that power of the Holy Spirit in us to move us through this really difficult life. And he tells us the life is going to be really difficult, right? In John 16, verse 3, he tells us life is going to be difficult. And then he gives us the power and the strength within us. We should be like a strong wind in our back or a winch pulling us forward. Like this is the Holy Spirit. Are we tapping into that, seeking his wisdom of what he's called for us to do next? Because we have this power. And if we're not tapping, Tapping in and using that power and being empowered by the Holy Spirit to go on to that next step, that we can't do anything that He's really called us to do. And we will have a life where we live with regret. And lastly, um, or maybe less than I'm saying join with others in the church. Like, family, we are in this together on this, this life thing that is really hard. So let's join together and, and work together on ways that we are learning. We're working with this group called Warrior Widows, which is uh, widows not trying to be like, not defined by this widowhood, but overcoming it and saying, my life was great until I was a widow and then that's what happened. No, that's not it because there's a whole nother story. And if we can use these tools that all of us have learned that God has shown each individual one and you bring that out and you share with other people the tools that you have and we get together with that, we can join with others and we can strengthen one another. I will tell you, Shirley Alexander, who was in the first service this morning, she came up to me and she said, I have buried two husbands and one son. I have to overcome it and you can too. And I saw you talking to the women's ministry. I heard you and the Lord told me he's got something for you to do. You know what? That's the body of believers lifting up one another to come forward. And so seek that in the people that, that you're around. And then lastly, I will say, golly, have self-compassion. Because <laughs> like we're all going to go through grief at some point, whether it's a spouse, whether it is, I mean, I'm a visual representation to every couple in this room right here that you, one of you is going to be me at some point where you're not with your spouse. And so have that self-compassion. We go through grief. It's a difficult thing. The Lord is known. He is aware of it. He's got us in his hand. But that compassion for ourselves, he is, he is the God of grace and he gives us all the grace and we need to give enough grace to ourselves to leave behind those things that was happened in the past that have not been fruitful and go forward into what God has called because we still have this next 50 years of our life to do, do something with and that's the perspective I'm taking. Jackie, that's awesome. And, and that's some incredible truth right there that she shared. Wow. Yeah. I got an opportunity. I was at. I was sneaking around the back during the women's brunch about six months ago. I got an opportunity to hear Jackie speak through Habakkuk, and God kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, our, "Our people need to hear your story." And so I've been waiting for six months. I've been excited about this Sunday because I knew this will really minister not not just to you know people out there that are going through pain and suffering right now, but you know even in the future, like we're all going to be there at yeah. some point in time. And I can say this, I've known Jackie for a long time and she's a treasure trove of wisdom and insight, obviously has a gift of teaching big time and God's gonna be using her in amazing ways. But what I really admire and love about Jackie is that she puts feet to it. Like she really walks the talk and to watch you go through this process has been an incredible testimony to me and I think to everybody here who's seen you go through that. So as we close, I wanna pray for you and pray for all of us here. Lord, we just... We thank you that in the storms of life, 
you're there. In fact, you show up in powerful ways. You shout at us in our pain. As C.S. Lewis said, Lord, you really do give us all we need for life and godliness. And when we're in the valley, when we're in those dark times, you're right there. You are holding our hand. And we want to be led by the Spirit. We want to walk with your Spirit. We want to do life with you, every moment of life. And as we do that, we discover that you have paths for us to go down that we didn't plan on. Mm -hmm. Jackie didn't want this or ask for this or plan on this, and yet you're using her in mighty ways now. And so at the end of the day, we can have our answers intellectually, but emotionally it still hurts but we can lean on you and you can bring healing. You can bring truth. You can bring encouragement, exhortation. You can be everything we need. And I think Jackie's just a, a great demonstration of that. I pray your richest blessings on her, Mitch, Peyton, their whole family, God, as they move forward into this new adventure, this new journey that you have for them. And for everybody here, and I know there are probably people out here today or watching online and, and they're in the thick of it. They're going through the storms. I pray that this message would bring hope and encouragement that they will get through, that you are faithful, that you will provide. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How about another round of applause for Jackie?